You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. everyone doing? Welcome to yet another episode of Cure to Consumption. I am your host, Lance Lambert. It's been a minute. Stoked to be catching back up. We have a really, really cool guest in the studio this week. And with as much as been going on lately, it's perfect timing. And uh, we'll get into that just now. But I want to introduce Florian Ritter, Flo, a.k.a. Coming direct from Germany, and here I thought he just landed a few days ago. He's he's been he's been on this side of the pond for a minute, as they say, and uh, he's got a phenomenal background. Definitely an advocate like myself, even could possibly say activist. Yes, uh, to an extent. And um, man, I'm looking forward to catching up. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of give a little bit of background about yeah. what your relationship is to cannabis and and all the rest of it. Well, thank you, Lance, for having me. Uh, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my name is Florian. Uh, I work for the German Cannabis Association in Germany. We are the biggest legalization advocacy group, so like comparable to normal in, in yeah. America. And uh, we have about 8,000 private members, 200 companies supporting our work. And we've been fighting for legalization since 20 years, more than 20 years now. Me personally, about a decade now. Yeah. Uh, talking to politicians, talking to media, making public campaigns, uh, creating awareness, you know, for legalization of cannabis and for the benefits of cannabis that it can, that it can provide to the society. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my work. That's my passion. That's my life. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. And, and this is, I mean, I, I'm too excited to not just jump into it. This is excellent timing because literally I've been following it for a minute. We have a few mutual friends uh, over in your backyard yeah. uh, that are definitely advocates and activists. And um, this is great, though, because literally we just got the news that both parties, all parties, everyone's finally ready to move forward with adult use, not just uh, medical. That's it. So congratulations. This is all the effort that you and obviously your organization have been putting. And and to help our listeners understand, these guys, just to say they're comparable to normal is, is almost an understatement because a lot of what normal's been doing, that foundation started back in 71. Um, so there's been a lot of fighting early on. And then as it's gotten closer, obviously things have gotten a little bit easier. And now we have over 40 out of 50 states that have some sort of legal program. But for you all, it's been a hard push for the last several years, right, to get to where things are today. Yeah. And kind of getting into, um, and we, we discussed this offline, a lot of Americans are a little surprised about how the medical program works over there. Because here, obviously, you have a state not yet federal, unfortunately, but you have a state that, um, you know, institutes a, a medical program, but it's still separate from our traditional medical program. Not so the case in Germany, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah. We have uh, gained a lot of progress in the last five years. So mm-hmm. 2017, the new medical law has been put in place in Germany and it's really different than your guys. Uh, yeah. As you said, we have it in, within the regular medical system. So we go to a regular doctor that gives you a prescription. It's not a recommendation, it's a prescription like for any other kind of medicine that you would get prescribed. Mm-hmm. And then you go uh, to the pharmacy and you get your medical cannabis in the regular pharmacy. So like Rite Aid or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yep. it's not a dispensary, it's not a separated system. 
And on top of that, you can get a health insurance prescription. So if you have a good doctor and if you have a severe illness and you've tried other medications before, then you can get your cannabis covered by the health insurance, which is a really, really good thing, which helps a lot of people in Germany now, especially the severe ill people uh -huh. that are not capable to, to work anymore or to grow they can get it from the health insurance. On the other hand, we have the bad thing that nobody in Germany, no patient is allowed to grow. So uh, here you have a lot of patients being yeah. allowed to grow for themselves and uh, self-covering their, their needs. Mm -hmm. That is not possible in Germany. So uh, there's upsides and downsides to, to both Definitely. systems. And that I've heard, we talked about uh, Misha, who, um, shout out to Misha, phenomenal individual, used to write and do content for me when I ran media weed maps. And he explained this to me. He said that he had to go to obviously whatever entity within the government and pretty much fight his case to where, um, hopefully I can explain it properly, but he said that essentially, you know, either he gets the medicine and he can continue to function or he would be on what we call workman's comp. So either, either they allow him the medicine, they cover the medicine, or they would subsequently have to pay more for mm -hmm. him to be out of work to continue to have an income. I thought that was so interesting how it was a bit of a, a catch 22 as we call it, but obviously the government understood and said, oh yeah, we don't want you, we don't want to have to pay your paycheck. Yeah. We'd rather give you your medicine and let you continue on as a functional human being. When he has explained that to me, it was a few years ago at, at Spanibus in uh, Barca, when he has explained that to me, I'm like, wow, that's something you would never, we don't have those conversations. We don't have those incidents, if you will, in the States or most other medical markets that, mm. that we know of. You know, it's so different to your point yeah. Than, yeah. Than, than anywhere else, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's not really the government that you have to talk to, it's your health insurance. So oh, we, gotcha. we have a, uh, different health insurance companies that are usually like um, state run. Oh, but, okay. Uh, you have okay. to discuss it with them. But yeah, it's the same discussion that you just described. Uh, like, yeah. Will I be able to work? Will I be able to provide more money for the insurance? Or will I just be taking money from the insurance yes, because yeah. I don't get my medicine? <laughs> uh, that was it. That's what yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So, and another thing. So I, I know that Germany has been importing. We discussed this too. And, um, you know, obviously uh, Germany is uh, one of the more dominant and has always been a very predominant country in the EU. But um, Germany has worked with other Commonwealth countries like Canada for supplying medicine, right? One thing that we've learned is that, and this is, I think, a good thing, that, that Germany is very strict on uh, regulating the quality of the cannabis. I know that mm -hmm. specifically the, the country of Germany has filed lawsuit against licensed producers that have not met those standards, rather EGMP or, or other, um, to make sure that the flower is compliant. Do you all see that? Do you support that and see that as a good thing to have that kind of um, rules and regulations in place uh, on the medicine side? On in general, side, yeah. of course, we think it's a good thing to have some sort of quality protection and EGMP mm -hmm. is one way to do it. I mean, there's multiple ways. Yeah. Um, I think here in the USA, sometimes uh, the quality in the medical dispensaries is not really state controlled and there's a lot yeah. of uh, like varieties and you have to really take a look which dispensary are you buying in, what pesticides are they using, whatever. So in Germany, you can be pretty safe if you get cannabis from the pharmacies that it will be safe. You will not get any mold into your lungs. You will yeah. not get any other uh, sickness or illnesses through the cannabis. So that's a good thing. On the other hand, for the producers in some countries, it was complicated because like uh, producers, uh, licensed producers in Uruguay, mm -hmm. in the United States and many other countries had a 
problem or have not been able to export to Germany. So it was for a long time, it was a Canadian run business yeah. in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it right. was a little bit weird. Now I know Israel is getting involved and yeah. there's other, to your point, other Spain, legal countries. Yeah, Portugal. Yep. So it's yeah. opening up a little bit, but not because the German <coughs> government is opening up the regulations, but because more and more companies all over the world are obeying to these regulations and are being able to produce eGMP standardized quality cannabis which is probably a good thing to have a standardization yeah. in that in yeah. that issue definitely because that's you know there's been very few instances but they do exist to your point rather it be heavy metals or uh, herbicides pesticides um, microbials mold things like that yeah. and that is kind of a good segue so You've been on a tour, which is awesome. I love hearing when friends come over, you know, to uh, to North America. And you've been to Mexico, which they're moving forward with their adult use. Finally, yeah. it's been taking a little yeah. bit of time with the regulations. Uh, but you've also been to several legal states. You visited Colorado. You visited Oregon. And, of course, here in yeah. California. And uh, let's hear a little bit of the opinion of the flower that you've come across. How's it been as far as what you've seen and experienced? Well, to be honest, uh, the flower in the dispensaries that I've seen a lot of time was not uh, that quality that I was expecting. I mean, there's great strains, there's a high THC levels, it's really yeah. strong sometimes, but um, many of the cannabis I've seen in the dispensaries was overdried, it was not properly cured, it was not really uh, humidified enough. <coughs> so um, I think many growers here in the USA tend to just produce and sell as fast as possible and not yeah. really taking care into the <coughs> curing process. So that's a bit of a downside and the pity to, to see that happening maybe it just takes some more time to like evolve quality standards within the customers so yeah. that the customers yeah. be like no we won't buy this stuff anymore um, but also maybe it's just like regular capitalism to be like yeah we want to produce and sell as fast as possible make as much money as possible and uh, yeah that's yeah. it no that's yeah I think you're spot on There, it's a variance and you're right it's Something that even going over to Europe, same thing. I go to Amsterdam and obviously it's not the market it was, you know, the mayor's trying to drop the hammer, as we say, on, on a lot of things that happen within the city limits. But I experienced the same thing over there where, to your point, like they either skip the cure or they rush the cure just to get it to the front line. And I agree with you. I think it's when you put capitalism first in front of quality then all of a sudden things like that fall wayside and you're hundred percent accurate, you know, having lived in Colorado, uh, obviously you haven't lived here in California. Um, some of those that even market themselves as high quality versus mids or low end or reserves, as we say, um, it's just subpar. Like yeah. you said, you know, a lot of people, they just don't, they don't do the true cure. Like, you know, it like, right. I speak to Italians and they say, I cure over six months. You say that to an American, and it, what? It should be all smoked and gone by then. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. You know? And in Colorado, it's even worse because oh, they have this God. like 0% or 10% humidity in the air yeah, in general. Yes. Yep. So their drying rooms are usually like that kind of humidity level. So that, that creates butt that's really like you touch it and it gets into dust. Yeah, you don't need a, a grinder, right? Yeah. You literally yeah. can just, I mean, it's the same thing. I see it over in the Amsterdam, but people just crumble it up in their fingers to break it up to roll. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It's unfortunate. And we discuss this too because, you know, you again, you being an advocate for the plant, not just for the movement, that people focus too much. And that's one thing a lot of us that are uh, canisseurs, as we say, you know, that are trying to maintain that quality, we say it's not all about the THC. Like yeah. you said, that's, I explain it uh, metaphorically that, you know, uh, 
the terpenes are really, that's the steering wheel. The, the cannabinoid, specifically a THC, is the engine. But if you can't mm-hmm. steer that high and really have the full effect, you know, a true entourage is what some people call it. It's really more of a concert. It shouldn't be one thing over another. It should really be a concert amongst them. But it's true. We're, we're kind of, I'm embarrassed that mm-hmm. for us, it's a race to the top on who has the most THC. Because yeah. that's not by all means a measurement to your point of quality or consistency. Yeah. In know? Germany, we don't have the word recreational cannabis. We have the word, the word Genussmittel, which means like translated, it means uh, uh, something for pleasure, something oh, okay. for enjoyment. Okay. So pleasure and enjoyment does not only come by a high, it also comes by the smell and the mm-hmm. taste, yeah. like with wine. I, yeah. I, I would like to compare cannabis to wine and not to booze, you know? I oh, don't, don't want to get drunk. I don't just want to get high. I want to enjoy my smoke yeah. or my vape or whatever. So the terpenes are really one of the most important parts in it. Yeah. yeah. And, and when, like you said, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. They are, you can't get them back. There's such yeah. a, a volatile uh, compound. and. I agree with you. I think I think the wine, you know, no matter referencing the tannins or the terpenes in the grapes or or whatever, but a very fair comparison, right? Because very few people, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, <laughs> but but very few people just want a pound wine to get drunk, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. They want to pair it with a certain food, or they want it to be experiential while enjoying music or while enjoying entertainment. Yeah. Uh, if they wanted to just get drunk, then they would do, you know, the spirits. They would do the hard liquor. So very valid comparison. And we hope that, um, again, things continue to move that way. You know, one thing we have here in California, thankfully, they amended it to our Prop 64, which was the the adult mm-hmm. use, right, the recreational. And um, it is the Appalachia's program. So acknowledging uh, different regions of where flowers grown, uh, especially just in the Emerald Triangle alone, which you just drove through, um, they have all these different areas, rather it be at the top of Spire Rock or down in the valley of Southern Humboldt and Garberville. And there are all these different appellations that, again, similar, you know, like these um, these similar markets in, in different uh, geographical locations for wine, right? Yeah. So a very similar, but we're so far behind. It is unfortunate that just, you know... Prohibition has killed a lot of culture and we yeah. will need some time to redevelop that. It's, it's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. yeah, very true. Very true. So as far as when it comes to consuming, and again, I know this is kind of talking about what um, you all would probably reference like as a gray area because of only have medical now from a more of a recreational standpoint, what is the, what is the scene for lack of a better term or what is the kind of social setting for cannabis in Germany? specifically you know how does it is it something that very much is enjoyed uh, live entertainment like uh, concerts and such and is it something that um you know is overall kind of accepted and not frowned upon too much and how does the law enforcement handle it like Mm -hmm. uh, some of those components as far as compared to other places you've traveled well that depends really on the area in germany where you are okay like in southern germany bavaria there's Mm -hmm. there's some certain areas where it's really strict where you where people usually don't light up at a concert or don't don't smoke a joint in public because it's really dangerous because there's a lot of even civil police running around and trying to catch you and even for the smallest amount of cannabis oh, wow. they will try to give you a fine. In Berlin where I live and where our association is located, it's pretty liberal I would say. A lot of yeah. people smoke in public. We have some parks that are really known, for example, Gerditzer Park where cannabis is being sold since the 19th. Uh, every day there are tens and hundreds of people selling cannabis publicly and the police is doing raids all the time against them but they can't stop it it's like 
it's just there. Yeah. And the fines are not too bad and um, the smoking itself, the consumption itself is more or less tolerated in Berlin, I would say. So it really yeah. depends which area you're in and um, and also what location you are in at the moment. Like if you're at a reggae concert, obviously yeah. nobody cares. <laughs> but if you're at a, a, a mainstream right? pop culture event, yeah. then you will get into troubles with security or with police even. Yeah. Yeah. And how does it, um, you know, it's interesting. I've learned in my travels, like as an example, South Africa, you know, they've always looked at cannabis as a... Um, you know, weeds kind of for the minion or for the uh, lower class, you know, they've kind of like how we look at, it's not fair to compare the two, but how people uh, look at users of crack or methamphetamines here domestically, that's more of a lower class um, poverty level or sub poverty level is, is it kind of looked at that way by the upper enchilon or by the more conservatives within your country, kind of like South Africa, or is it, no, it's uh, yeah, no harm, no foul. It's just a plant. That's just not what I like. Kind of attitude. I think there's a certain percentage of the German population, the strong, heavy conservatives that really yeah. like drugs are drugs. There's no separation, there's yeah. no distinction between the different kinds of... But a lot of uh, the population in Germany, I would say maybe like 80% or something like that, make a distinction between cannabis and the rest of the drugs. Yeah, yeah. So they don't That's distinct between yeah. mushrooms and heroin, they don't know the differences, <laughs> but yeah. they will make a distinction between uh, cannabis and the rest of the whole drug portfolio. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a different debate and a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, somebody smokes a joint, okay, I can still talk to him. He's not like a yeah. person that I will be like, no, I'm never going to talk to you. Gotcha. Uh, meanwhile, other drugs are like, okay, no, I, I don't want any, or many people say, I don't want any contact to people that use drugs. So, yeah. so that's yeah. a difference, definitely. And there's a scene there. I mean, that's to your point, Berlin, especially after the 90s, you know, after dropping the wall, there's there's definitely a, um, it is liberal. Like I felt that I was really impressed going there for the first time. I did not know what to expect and I knew what homework growing up, but of course that's our history books is only so accurate. But um, I was really impressed with, with just the ambiance of the city, beautiful city, great nightlife. Yeah. Um, to your point, very open, very friendly people. Um, and I didn't see too much. Like it, it was an area where I felt safe and I didn't see any consumption of really anything in public as opposed to hopefully you have not gone downtown LA. <laughs> but if you went downtown LA, you would see, like you already know about the smash and grab. We were kind of joking around because, you know, you're hanging, we're going to hang out for the next few days. And you're concerned about where you parked your car because... Well, we had a smash and grab in San Francisco. So that oh, was already like, it, it already man. happened to us. And, uh, and exactly we're not used to that in Germany. It's, yeah. it's, it happens if you if you have your laptop in the car or yeah. your cell phone, but it doesn't happen if you have a bag of clothes in your car. No, and it, and it is unfortunate. And that's that's my home city. It's embarrassing because you're at San Francisco, Oakland, um, certain parts of LA too. It is so common. Yep. It is so common. And I was just having a conversation. I just got back from uh, Lifting Co. up in Toronto, uh, Canada, and was talking to friends there because unfortunately one of my hosts, they left their bags in their car overnight. Someone stole it. I think, unfortunately, he left the doors unlocked. He said, I can't, none of the locks are punched, none of the windows oh. are. So I think he accidentally mm. left his car unlocked in front of his home. So opportunity was there, but um, it is unfortunate because it's almost happening more often everywhere. But my gosh, San Francisco is the worst, to your mm. point. They do it in broad daylight. Mm. They just and jump out of the car. Concerning the open drug use in Germany, uh, in most big cities in Germany, we have drug consumption places. Yeah. So people go into official places, sit down there, have a table and consume their illegal drugs 
legally. <laughs> yeah. No, but that in, in a and lot the of police people. will not interfere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is just to prevent the the public um, problems that that yeah. uh, develop around uh, public drug consumption, like children seeing it, needles laying around, yeah, exactly. all this kind of stuff. And it it barely happens in Germany, I would say. It barely happens. But it's, it's a good point you bring that up. And uh, again, you're up in Oregon. So Oregon, they just passed last year. Now they have um, uh, Earl Blumenauer, which is a phenomenal uh, senator out of uh, Oregon. He's been support uh, in support of cannabis legalization or at least minimum decriminalization since before I was born, since the 70s. And um, Oregon actually passed last year the decriminalization of all drugs, similar to what Portugal yep. did 10 yep. years ago, yeah? And a lot of, again... Uh, not to say, I mean, some Americans are savvy, but a lot of Americans just don't know how things are on the international level. But you make a really good point because Portugal has that, as does even Holland. I know that I try to explain to people, I, I posted up on LinkedIn about, you know, Luxembourg finally coming online with adult use next year or they're, you know, they're without supposed shops, to be. <laughs> probably without shops, but at least like <laughs> growing know, right? and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, weird, yeah. It is a weird one. But, um, you know, people like, and I'm like, oh, this is technically going to be the first um, non-medical market in the EU. And people are like, oh, but Amsterdam. And I'm like, no, not Amsterdam. It's not legal. It's uh, the, it, some people are just so naive. They don't understand that, to your point, that the um, coffee shops originally were yeah. kind of like those safe havens where people could consume in a controlled environment outside of the public but it's not legal all the way up until you get to the threshold. So I have to explain to them that the courier is is illegal, that the producer or the trafficker, because we know the mobs run, mm -hmm. <laughs> not just mafia in the States, mafia is everywhere, yep. that, that run the drugs to, you know, to supply, that's all illegal. And so they don't have a program per se. But I think it's huge that Germany, Portugal, the Netherlands, you know, recognize um, this is something that exists. At least let's try to do something to alleviate some of the byproducts of it. You know, it just hasn't been the attitude here. It's been very, they're all criminals. They're all bad guys. Nope, they're not trying to self-medicate because they have an issue or a problem or a mental, you know, it's nope, they're bad people. We put them away. You know, mm -hmm. it's an unfortunate approach that, again, I'm kind of embarrassed as an American because we had such an influence uh, in Western civilization around, you know, the war on drugs that's what I was about to say. You yeah. mentioned the Netherlands not having legalized in the 60s and 70s, but creating the coffee shops yeah. where people can buy cannabis. And I think the main reason for them to not legalize at that time, they wanted to. They, they yeah. wanted to. They discussed it. But they couldn't because of the pressure of especially the United States, which yeah. created a huge pressure all over the world. Oh, 100%. Up until India and Nepal and whatever, Asia, yeah, Australia, far, far everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Creating a huge pressure on all countries don't legalize cannabis. Don't yeah. do it. And now the USA cannot create this pressure anymore because like half of the country has legalized it. I, yeah. So yeah. more than half. And we're looking, we're looking, I hate to say, but we're kind of looking like the idiots because to your point, you know, I, I feel like, and maybe you can correct me. I know you follow a lot closer than I do the EU, but you know, it seems what I've gathered is a lot of the countries were waiting for the US to get our shit together, essentially. Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. to just like, you guys, like you said, you know, uh, uh, several years ago, it was a few dozen. Now we're over three dozen legal states. It's a vast majority, 73% of the populace, similar to Germany. You know, three quarters of the populace are like, no, I'm okay with cannabis legal at some level, rather be only for medical or medical and adult use, but I'm okay with that. But still, it's almost like that person who could, who can't admit they're wrong. 
that's how, unfortunately, the U.S. has a mentality. And it does hurt because I know Ireland was waiting for it. France was waiting for it. I think other parts of Europe are waiting for it. And finally, they're just like, we're not waiting any longer. Mm -hmm. You guys are in this limbo and there's opportunity to do right, you know. So, again, it, it's unfortunate that... And I keep posting it up and I know not as many Americans care about the global movement as I do, but I'm like this every time another country, Germany, another country that says, yes, we understand this. We want to move forward with it. That's us being one more step behind, you know? So it's, how's the, is that kind of the perception from, from that side of the world uh, as far as the U.S.? I, I know you guys respect this. I'm nodding the whole time. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at you nodding, nodding. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the thing. That's, right? that's what's going on. Yeah. Uh, we've been watching, we've been waiting, and now many countries all over the world, not only in Europe, but also in Latin America, are like, oh, okay, yeah. now yeah. we can do it. The USA yeah. is not in the way anymore. They are not blocking us off anymore. They are not going to sanction us nope. through the United States or anything like that. Uh, so we can do it if we want to. So they are now having their own internal discussions, political discussions in many, many countries. We mentioned Mexico, Colombia, many other countries yeah, in Latin Costa America. Rica, Uruguay, yeah. So as soon as these discussions have evolved and uh, politicians know that there is a majority in their country for legalization, they will start doing it. And yeah. I think in the next 10 or 20 years, we will see many, many countries all over the world legalizing cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping so, man. We're so, <laughs> like I said, it's moving along. It's getting there, you know, one country at a time, but it definitely, that's, that's the bigger picture and, you know, definitely again, look forward to it. So, well, what else? So coming out here, maybe getting into a little bit more like the means of consumption. Um, what are you thinking about all these concentrates that we have? And I know they do exist. Like I, obviously I've, I've been over, I've people dab at Canafest and Canatech yeah. and, and uh, Spanibus. You know, but um, obviously, you know, we, we have transdermals and topicals and elixirs and edibles and rapid onset edibles. And, and I mean, everything short of putting it up your nose is you can consume mm -hmm. cannabis here in the mm -hmm. U.S. Has that been kind of a, a little bit of a surprise uh, to you? I mean, you're familiar with it, but still walking in and seeing all the shatter wax crumble, has that been somewhere you're like, oh my gosh, going into these dispensaries? Yeah, the amount of different types uh, is definitely a surprise. What surprised me most was five years ago when I had my first patch, my first transdermal patch. Oh, that no was way. a big thing for me, like yep. putting a patch on my skin and then being like, whoa, okay, I feel it, it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> so, Like a nicotine patch, it's, it, that's a really new way to consume cannabis for me. And yep. uh, that showed me um, how much prohibition has reduced the, the scientific um, yeah. uh, development yeah. and, and, and uh, how much more we will see in the future. I'm, I'm curious what we will see in 10 years or 20 years, what they will create with the different cannabinoids, with the different terpenes, as soon as we have them all split it up and then put them together in an yeah. uh, artificial way. But we can create more and more medications as well as uh, recreational pleasure-creating yeah. drugs for people which are good and which help people. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see that. And I think yeah. prohibition has done a lot of harm to people by blocking that off, by blocking off that development, especially for the medical patients. Oh, yeah. we, we will yeah. see a lot of medicines in the next decades uh, developed by cannabis and, and from cannabis. And that's, that's been a big, exactly to your point, you know, I have, and I can share with you, it's a cannabis.org site where they've aggregated mm -hmm. all the studies since 1970, uh, obviously a vast majority of them from the private sector, because, you know, we have public-private studies here. And so some are sanctioned, some are not by the government, but 
it's interesting all the studies around PTSD and um, obviously uh, you know mental health, physical uh, back pain, uh, you name it. Um, all these things that they study, but it's not a lot. The interesting thing is if I shared with you, man, for that we're talking over the last 50 years and it's maybe 40 or 50 studies, which yeah. is a dismal. And again, that's where we're behind. Just on the phone with uh, a, a few Israeli friends uh, last week uh, talking about great guys. You know, they distribute our uh, Green Bros product over in Israel. And I was commending them on the fact that while they're a little behind on understanding how to grow uh, from a medical and scientific standpoint, I mean, they're, we're funding them money, mostly private sector, funding them millions. I know um, a few Australians that are funding millions over to it. I was really impressed. I went over there, um, actually with Benny. Benny was speaking. Uh, we were out there for Bovida. And uh, they had a uh, friend, Steve D'Angelo, opened up. He is the, the keynote speaker. What I was really impressed was was the head of the uh, cannabis and cancer um, university over there. And he was sharing, I think they've moved on to human studies. This was about three years ago, three and a half years ago. Uh, but at that point, they were still studying by Petri dish. And um, they had it broken down, to your point, by cultivars that they found that eradicated cancerous cells. And they took... Um, breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer. So it took some of the top killers mm -hmm. globally. And um, again, Petri dish full of hundreds of cancerous cells introduced one specific, you know, genetic type of cannabis. So he was very clear to, to help people understand in layman's terms, you know, that the cultivar that they used to eradicate the breast cancer cells did not work on the prostate cells. And, and that oh. the one that worked on on you know the prostate cells inverse did not work on. I was so impressed in in myself being a cancer survivor for 18 years now. I mean that's the kind of stuff where I've said openly time and again. You know if I ever came out of remission, that's where I would go. Like literally, I go there because we don't have that study. Germany I know doesn't have. Australia doesn't have that kind of studies. You know. And in Germany, it's especially a big problem for many patients because uh, the doctors, because you have to go to a regular doctor to get your cannabis prescription. Yeah. These regular doctors have all kinds of work with all kinds of diseases, so they are not specialized on cannabis and they usually don't know anything about it because it's pretty new to yeah. them. Yeah. Same with the pharmacies. The pharmacies are also not specialized in cannabis and they are also really new into this topic, so <laughs> they don't know anything. So the patients are left alone, basically, and they have yeah. to research for themselves in the internet, whatever, with organizations like ours uh, to find out which strain might help them uh, or even which like concentrates or, or topicals or whatever. So that creates a little bit of complicated situation for many, many patients. Yeah. yeah. And that's frustrating because, you know, you want to say, oh, I can find everything I need right here. We all have computers at our mm -hmm. fingertips. And it's frustrating because not all of that information, a good example would be, you know, RSO, which a lot of people, I know, you know, Rick Simpson oil, And that's what I stood back and said after hearing what this professor was sharing with their studies, I was like, well, wait, then RSO sometimes might work, sometimes might not based on the element, based on the cultivar, based yeah. on what's being used in that, that recipe, right? So even I kind of stood back and went, you know, but this makes sense because the plant is such an enigma to your point. You know, they've already discovered several hundred different cannabinoids in, in you know, obviously dozens upon dozens upon dozens of different types of terpenes and it's such a diverse plant you know that we have so much further to go to understand it like you said what the true capabilities are 
yep. and, and being able to zero it down. And to go on to your transdermal, man, it's a funny story on that. The first time I tried, it was um, uh, this guy, Billy, great, great guy, owns a company called Pure Ratio out of San Diego. And we were at an event in Orange County, and he gave me a few patches, um, 20 to 1 uh, CBD to THC, mm-hmm. 4 to 1 THC to CBD, and then a 1 to 1. And I had gotten uh, diverticulitis, which didn't even know what it was until, but I had this pain. I went online. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> so it's when you when you you uh, have your intestines, some sort of irritation, oh. um, where essentially it, it inflames in your intestines. So you mm-hmm. feel this 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 pain, um, but it's a very kind of um, ambiguous pain. Like it's not a necessarily a sharp pain. It's just this odd pain. And so I went online, of course, like most people, WebMD or whatever. And then I went to the doctors. Oh, I think it might be this, acute this, da, 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 da. Had me do the full scan. Sure enough, it's what I found online, which was cool. Um, they put me on two uh, antibiotics, which was a whole other thing. Um, but one evening, it's funny. I was like, you know, what do I have to lose by trying this? And I tried first the 20 to 1 ratio. And it was something like, um, I mean, two or three days is what it claimed. I think up to 72 hour for uh, slow mm-hmm. absorption. And I put it on the exact spot where it was, I remember. And I was, um, because of the Western medicine, you know, kind of um, hazy, just a little little loop, you know, kind of out of mm-hmm. it, you know, and then had stomach pains from not eating and then had the pain from, from the diverticulitis. And I put on that uh, transdermal within a half an hour, man. The stomach pains went away. The pain there for the diverticulitis went away. Uh, the nausea that I was having subsided. Well, I was, it was one of those aha moments for me. And again, not that I don't, I, I think cannabidiol is a great cannabinoid, but I do feel it was kind of uh, overhyped, right? I mean, that's, I call it the hero cannabinoid only because it opened people's eyes to considering cannabis over others. I'm not saying it's the absolute best. I'm a bigger fan of CBN and CBG and some of yep. the anti-inflammatory and sleep, right? But um, that definitely for me, the same thing. I was like, wow, this is like, it actually works. CBD know? not only opened up the whole cannabis topic for the mainstream yeah. people, it also opened up the whole not only THC is important, yes. but the other yeah. cannabinoids are important <laughs> for the cannabis scene. Yeah, Like in the yeah. cannabis scene, a lot of people were so heavily focused on THC and now it's like we're realizing, wow, there's CBD, there's CBN, there's CBG, there's the terpenes, yeah. THCV, there's so much more THCA. to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that's the one thing that you're starting to see more mixes to your point where they're putting more of an emphasis. I know some people oh, I don't know if cannabinol really helps us sleep or not, CBN, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I don't know. But for me, having a balance of CBN and CBD as well as THC for delivery, it, it helps me with falling asleep and not waking up in the middle of the night or not waking up uh, hungover, if you will, you know. So I think that's the kind of stuff that, again, but that's what excites me about, again, with Germany coming online through and through, you mm-hmm. know, being open because... I don't know if you know, but the rest of the world definitely compares uh, or considers, I should say rather, Germany as like that is the, you all know how to engineer, you mm-hmm. know, yep. you are the, like the engineers of the world when it comes to so much by way of technology and just, just the basic understanding of components to efficiency. Um, so that's what excites me about. It's not, oh, now I can go hang out with you at, at you know, Mary Jane in Berlin mm-hmm. and smoke weed. Okay, that's fine but what it makes as far as an impact for the movement, you know. Especially in Europe, in the European Union, Germany is really, really appreciated as a leader, as a political leader, as well as an engineering and economical leader. So I think uh, at first the medical legalization in 2017 made up a lot 
opened up a lot of doors in, yes. in the European yeah. Union. Yeah. And now the recreational legalization, which we will be seeing in the next years in Germany, uh, will open up a lot of doors for other countries as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you guys are, you're right. I mean, as far as, your, who is it? Um, she just retired, right? Your- uh, Our drug czar. Yeah, yeah. my gosh, yeah, she uh, really- Ludwig. I could not believe it, man. She, when it came to COVID, when it came to just the overall voice of the EU, I don't think a lot of people, again, understand that. I know some people, oh, well, there's the empire, there's the United Kingdom in England. It's not, it really has been Germany that I've seen ha that has taken that, that forward position on things and been more assertive yeah. about going the right direction um, for the better of these almost three dozen countries. Well, Brexit, you know, <laughs> maybe 30 countries now, but still. You know, it yeah. definitely is something that, again, it's it's a it's quite pivotal and still have. I don't want to take away from Luxembourg, but Luxembourg is a it's more of a keystone country, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice. It's right behind you know Brussels and France, just south of Germany. Um, but it's more like a, a city. It, like, it is. It really. I don't right? know. Three hundred thousand inhabitants. It's, it's four hundred thousand like people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a really small. I mean, and that's the same same population as uh, the Australian capital uh, territory. So it's kind of interesting how you kind of look at things in perspective. Um, but yeah, again, not to overshadow them, but it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. So what is this, um, how should I say rather, will this affect, uh, the efforts that you in your organization, um, have applied? So you don't just, uh, close up shop and go, okay, job's done. Nope, <laughs> Time to celebrate. Not. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, I don't know how the situation is here in the USA with the activists. Uh, what have been activists been doing after legalization? Are they still demonstrating? Are they still <laughs> like trying to to achieve more? I am pretty sure, me personally and all other employees at our association and also my boss Georg Wood, we are pretty sure that the law that we will see now being in place will not be the perfect law. Yeah, it will not be yeah. perfect in all matters. There will still be issues for cannabis users, like Definitely. for example, discrimination uh, with the driving license, discrimination with uh, job issues that you're um, that you're drug tested and drug testing, yeah. all this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So there will definitely be a lot of issues that we can work on in the future, and also, of course. Um, a legal cannabis consumer scene needs a network. It needs yeah. places yeah. and virtual places to meet and to get to know each other. So we have the fairs, the Mary Jane and all this kind of stuff. But I'm pretty sure we also need associations. Um, uh, if we look into the alcohol and tobacco thing, the associations are usually run by the businesses. Yes. So the yeah. industry- Self-governing to a certain extent, yeah. yeah. The industry invests money into networks and associations to have them represent themselves against mm -hmm. media and politicians. But for cannabis, I think, at least for the next decade, it will be really important that the consumers have a voice as well, that the consumers are being heard Agreed. and have a possibility to, 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 yeah, to make their own point and to fight for their own rights even if it's not only legalization, but like small things like yeah. driving license, et cetera. In Germany, we have a huge issue about driving licenses. Here in the USA, you don't get drug tested so much if you're driving a car, right? Correct. You will maybe walk on a line and if you are sober, if you're not like super high and super entangled, then the police will let you go. In Germany, it's the other way around. Uh, if you're 18 till 35 or something like that, and you're in a car and you're getting into a police control, the second or third question will be, "Oh, would you be? Would you agree to a volunteer drug, drug well, sorry, drug test?" Yeah. 
And if you say no, then you're into big trouble. So most people say yes, and then uh, they lose their driving license oh because they have like small, small, small amounts of cannabis in their blood. Even one like here in uh, California, I think it's five nanograms per uh-huh. milliliter. Yeah. And in Germany, it's one nanogram per milliliter blood serum. So it's even less. It's like 0.5 oh, wow. in the California uh, mathematic uh-huh. calculation. So that creates a situation where so many people in Germany lose their driving license for driving sober. Like they smoke a joint in the evening and the next day yeah. or the, even the next, even the day after. Well, yeah, it stays. It's, it's, a, it's not a water base. It's not alcohol, right? It's not yeah. water base. You can't quote unquote flush it out of your system per se. Yeah. That's the thing. Gosh. So that's an interesting approach. That's very similar to Australia. Australia, yeah. which has been a very a debated topic is they do the swab tests inside yeah. your cheek. And obviously they're, they're testing for all kinds of components, as you can imagine. And someone takes a, what we call a Sudafed or like a um, allergy pill and mm-hmm. they, oh, this, oh, MDMA. <laughs> no, it's antihistamine. Yeah. That's an ingredient into, you know, MDMA or some other controlled substance, but it's been uh, highly debated because, and again, I, I hear that. I see it. I was out there for, um, they have an event called Mardi Gras. If you yeah, ever get it. it. Okay. Yeah. You know, in Nimbin classic. You've been there? uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, went. Oh, my gosh, man. I went for the 25-year anniversary. Fun story. Actually, uh, you'll meet him at some... Or if if you come down to Spanibus, I'll introduce you. But um, a friend, Nathan, who handles international for Magical Butter, Uh uh, he's out of uh, Northern Australia and picked me up in a 1975 VW bus (laughs) that was retrofitted with a late model uh, aluminum block V6 motor, all everything. And we were doing... It was crazy. I, I didn't even know VW buses, and I grew up with the hippies in the Bay Area. Okay. They were all the slowest car on the road, yeah. <laughs> you know? He was doing 140 kilometers an hour going down the coast. <laughs> I'm like, the, these bearings in these wheels can't even take this speed. But um, but we did this tour, a week-long tour, and started out in Brisbane in Gold Coast, and then we went to Nimbin. And, man, if you get a chance to go there, I tell people— uh, if you are an advocate or if you're an activist, but if you really want to be a part and see what the global movement has been, I was there for the 25, I've gone a few times, but was there for the 25 year anniversary and it's phenomenal. I kept the poster and everything and hmm. you have the hemp embassy, which I still keep up with those guys. Um, but it's so crazy because it reminded me of, you know, there before my time, before our time, but you know, the whole uh, flower child movement here in the States, you heard yeah. about the hippies sure. of the sixties, right? The summer of love. Um, hippies kind of became uncool by the 70s into 80s. And so same thing, like a lot of the hippies moved to places you drove through, like Mendocino and Humboldt and Eureka and, uh, you know, even down to Santa Cruz and such. And it's so interesting because it really, on that trip, I stood back and I was like, wow, this is the whole, the culture and the craft and the movement and the support is very similar, you know, just a different accent. I mean, literally I was meeting people that like, if not for an Australian accent, I, I would have thought I was up in Northern California, yeah, okay. but it was a magical place. They do bong tossing and drum circles and live DJs and everything is really cool. Um, but point being is, yeah, they were doing these swab tests going in and there's only three ways in and out of this little town of Nimbin. Uh, and it's right on the border of Queensland, New South Wales. And, uh, yeah, one of our friends got stopped, very unassuming, former military, very, you know, mm-hmm. yoked guy, very beef guy in a transit van, not even in a hippie car or mm-hmm. something, you know, and he got the swab test and failed and got incarcerated. And I'm like, what the absolute F like, this is what, and again, I know that influence, like we just discussed, 
and it's not just back to the D.A.R.E. program with Ronald Reagan, and it's not even just back to the Nixon era in the 70s with the, the war on drugs, all the way back to the Anslinger days of the 30s for the U.S., and to your point, the influence that they put on the United Nations and even the World Health Organization, the WHO, um, it's unfortunate because the repercussions are, it's still reverberating around yeah. the world, right? Definitely. And uh, again, so frustrating to hear, but that is interesting how it's a different approach. Let me mention, we, we had a lot of swab testing in Germany as well. Uh, nowadays, yeah. they mostly, like 95% the police is using urine tests because they know that okay. the swab tests are not good. They create false uh, results. Yes, yeah. You can even eat a, a roll with some poppy seeds on it yep. and be yeah. tested on heroin or yes. something like that. Yep. So uh, <laughs> uh, the right. urine tests are a little bit better still. They are also capable of making false results. Yeah. In the end, only a blood test will give you real results. And that's, of course... Uh, like hurting people, taking blood from them. It's, it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's not yeah. good. <laughs> no, not good. Bit of a violation, but exactly a, a, a violation of your personal <laughs> rights. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of your personal rights and privacy. So, well, awesome, man. So from here, um, just to get a little personal. So your journey continues, you're heading over to Vegas. I'll have to, if you want to stop by actually green bros, our manufacturing facility is in mm -hmm. North Las Vegas. Oh. So if you want to stop by and take a tour, um, you know, definitely let me know. I can introduce you to the team. You yeah. See it. So, Sounds great. Sounds so you're great. doing Las Vegas and then, um, maybe heading South of the border again before you head back home. Yeah, exactly. Las Vegas. Yeah. Then we'll be doing Grand Canyon and there's oh, like cool. some, um, some hot springs in the in the Death Valley, which we want to oh, see. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. In Death Valley, good time uh, of year. Saline, Saline uh, yep. hot springs. They should be really nice. And then yeah. we'll be going down to Mexico again, meet some people there, and then I will be back in Germany and celebrate yes. what's going on there and yeah, take a man. look. I mean, it's amazing. I, I I was not expecting this to happen. No, honestly, uh, me uh, neither. We, we we got the new government. It, it's a a social democratic green liberal government uh, mm -hmm. with three parties. And I always said, okay, yeah, they will improve situation for cannabis users. They will decriminalize it. They will do something. But I was not expecting them to fully legalize. And now yeah. it really looks like there's um, there's a paper that they announced from the um, from the coalition treaty discussions that they are having at the moment. Uh -huh. uh, it really looks like they are definitely going to legalize and create shops yeah. in Germany. And that's such a big thing. It's, it really is. It's blowing my mind, honestly. No, it's huge. And I think, I mean, look, you know, again, I know there's some general stereotypes and, and um, dispositions towards Germany. It is a phenomenal country. It is a beautiful, a gorgeous country. So for you all to have something like this, unfortunately, I think that mayor in Amsterdam, I think she might be getting second thoughts because this does make an impact on EU tourism as well, right? I know that's yeah. why a lot of people go to Spain. It's beautiful, great weather. I know why you know, <laughs> centuries past, people came through there and ruled. But this is awesome. This is a game changer. I mean, I could see really Berlin becoming that much more of a hotspot because of this too, just on a, you know, again, more on a recreational note. But And I understand that the Netherlands have always had some issues with all the tourists from all over Europe coming yeah. there to buy cannabis. I yeah. mean, it yep. is a, a certain uh, weight load that has been on them for the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, very also true. the pressure from the from the governments from France and Germany saying no you can't do this anymore people yeah. are bringing cannabis from your country to our country you must stop your shops you must close the coffee shops so as soon as uh, Germany and France and maybe other countries in, in, in Europe have opened up and legalized uh, the pressure on the Netherlands will be gone and they yeah. will have a lot easier life with that and I think uh, the mayor of yeah. Amsterdam <laughs> will 
definitely make up their mind um, yeah. uh, after this new new development. Yeah. For sure. Well, cool, man. Well, when will, let's see, I'll be back. Hopefully we'll get to catch up and spend. would love for you to come down. We'll have an extra ticket if you can to. make yeah, it. Yeah. Not too not too long a flight. Yeah. Um, and uh, But what? when will we be able to celebrate next in Germany? Would that be uh, Mary Jane next year or is there something newer coming up? That might be Mary Jane in Berlin. Um, yeah. We have uh, two small affairs. That's um, uh, one in, in Cologne plant and one in Frankfurt. Okay. Um, and also we as an association, the German Cannabis Association, we will be doing a political conference in Berlin. Oh, great. Um, so that's probably going to happen in the autumn next year. So, yeah, I would be glad to invite you there and yeah. have, you, have you speak maybe. Tell us no. a little bit about California and what's going on here. Yeah. And, uh, that would be really interesting to our German um, followers and activists to, to see this and to, to get some input, you know, from yeah. other countries to, to get motivated as well as get some know-how on how to develop in the next couple of years because there will be a lot of changes in Germany and we will need to look at other countries to learn how to do this and, and to do this properly. Yeah, no, would definitely love, would definitely love to speak. Been fortunate in, in speaking over the years, so would love to make it out. Well, thank you so much for thank you. This is great having you on. Yeah. I look forward to the tour we have planned for tomorrow. Um, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, thanks again. Enjoy the U.S. All right. Thank you. Have a good Perfect. day. All right. Thank you. Enjoy. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to yet another episode of Cure to Consumption. Um, definitely be sure to you know take care of each other and remember it's all about good vibes. Until next time, I am your host, Lance Lambert. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.